Hello and welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Pastor John Sherrill is walking us through our brand new sermon series, And Then. At Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and your family to live a life of fullness and to be devoted to Christ and His church. If you want to find out more about the ministries of Declaration Church, I would highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Let's listen in this week with Pastor John Sherrill. Have a seat right where you're at. It's so good to see you this morning, man. I, I hope that you're glad to be in the house of God. I am. Is anybody glad? It's been a good day. It's going to be a great morning. Uh, really quick, our fifth and sixth grade, wherever you are, let's stand up. If you're in fifth or sixth grade, we would love to dismiss you to your class. We'll clap for you as we welcome those joining online as well. We'll say thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the family. I want to start this morning just by celebrating. So can we celebrate something real fast? I don't know if you've seen that land over there. Have y'all seen that land yet? Man, let's thank the Lord. Thank you, first of all. I want to thank you for your, just your faithfulness, your generosity, um, your faithful stewardship, how you give, how you tithe, how, how you sacrificially give. Listen, that property, I think there's so many things that God is using right now to speak to me about that land and how, you know, just like Isaiah 62.10 told us, man, we are making a way. There is a, there is a road going in. In fact, that road will actually be finished before the highway system finishes I-45, believe that or not. Isn't that amazing? Anybody seen that 10-year thing like here, here I was 10 years ago? I am today. It's the same on I-45, exactly the same. It's like the same workers and everything. But man, we're going to finish that road. That road is literally going to take people straight to the heart of God. I believe it. And there's going to be lives changed for a long, long time. There is legacy being legacy is being built right now. They're, they're working the soil. They're planting seed. And that's, that's you. That's you. So thank you. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Because that is amazing. One more thing I want to celebrate. Um, when we launched Declaration six years ago, February, we had an organization, a ministry organization that helped us, that taught us and trained us. And that organization is called the Association of Related Churches. They are part of what we do missionally. We help plant churches. We help pastors that are launching and planting. In fact, Friday, I had the joy to sit with a pastor who was launching in February. Just amazing things that has afforded to us because of this relationship with ARC, Association of Related Churches. We were church plant number 554, and I just want us to celebrate today because of generosity that we're pouring into the kingdom, we get to be a part of helping launch the 1,000th church this weekend. Isn't that amazing? So in a city just like this, there is a life-giving church launching, and they get to be number 1,000, and I don't know if you know how bad that bothers me that we weren't like number 555. I even asked, can we switch? It's the OCD in me. But I want you to watch this video real quick because it's super cool and we get to be a part of this. Watch this. Hello, ARC family. I'm Mark Cleary, and I serve on the launch team here at the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. Here at ARC, we exist to see a thriving church in every community reaching people with the message of Jesus. We recently celebrated 20 years of planting churches all around the world. We ended this past year with 994 churches to be exact, and the 2022 launch season is already underway, and we are getting ready to celebrate yet another huge milestone as an ARC family. As of this weekend, we have now surpassed 1,000 churches planted. Each of these churches started with a dream, a dream to reach people with the message of Jesus. These couples followed the call of God on their lives. And now, just imagine the communities, the families, and the lives these churches will impact. And you are a part of that. Whether you're a church that was started through ARC or you believe and invest in our mission, you are pivotal 
in the Ark family. These 1,000 churches, these 1,000 stories are an extension of your church. So thank you for your prayers and thank you for your commitment to the vision. This is just the beginning. So let's thank the Lord one more time and thank you. Can I just say thank you? It's so cool to be a part of that. Well, I got to start with a little story. So can I, is it okay? Can I share a a brief story, something I read this week? I just have to, like, I can't not. It's, it's the best. (laughs) One of the best. Anyway, believe it or not, this story is about a guy named Stumpy. That's his name. That's his nickname, at least, Stumpy. And Stumpy and his wife, Martha, um, every year they would go to the state fair. Anybody grow up in the city that had the fairgrounds and all that good stuff? Like me and a few. That's awesome. Me and Sterling. Where are you at, Sterling? Are you in the house? Yeah, you know. You know, you know, Friday Night Fairgrounds. But so Martha and Stumpy, they would go to the state fair every year. And every year, Stumpy would see this one ride. It was an antique airplane. And they would literally take you up for a ride in this airplane. And every year he would say, Martha, I really want to ride that airplane. And Martha would come back and she would say, well, Stumpy, um, that's, I know that. But that, that airplane ride costs $25. And well, $25 is $25. So every year this would happen. Year after year, same conversation. Stumpy would would go to the fair. He would see the plane. He would talk about the plane. He would say he wants to ride the plane. Every time Martha would say, well, Stumpy, you know that airplane ride costs $25. And well, $25 is $25, right? And so finally they go the next year and or a couple years later, who knows? And all of a sudden, sure enough, there's the airplane ride. Here goes Martha and Stumpy. Stumpy says, Martha, I am 81 years old. And if I don't get to ride that airplane, I might never get the chance to do it. Well, Stumpy, that airplane ride costs $25. And you and I both know $25 is $25. She could barely get it out. And finally, the guy who operates the plane, is, he hears them. He kind of interrupts. He says, hey, folks, um, I think I recognize you guys. I think I've seen you a couple times. He said, um, I know that you, you really want to take a ride in this plane, so let me just make you all a deal. He says, um... I'm going to take you up in this plane, and I'm going to take you both for a ride. And if you can both stay completely quiet, I mean not a sound, not a word, not a noise for the entire ride, you don't say one word, then I'm not going to charge you a dime for that. How about that? And of course, they're like, that's incredible. He says, but hang on now. If you, if, I mean, even a peep, if you make a noise, both of you are going to pay $25. You know, Martha's probably thinking $25 or $25, right? So they agree and up they go. And Stumpy, man, he is loving every minute of this. I mean, he is living his best life now. This is what he's dreamed about for years and years and years. And there, there, man, they're in the air that he's having a blast. The pilot decides, okay, I'm going to show them. He starts doing all these maneuvers and twists and turns and dips and lows, you know, highs, lows, rolls, all the stuff. And, and, and um, you know, not a word. I mean, they are just completely quiet. And, and so finally, the pilot's like, well, this is crazy. So he, he decides, I'm going to do it better this time. So he takes even bigger dips, bigger dives, bigger turns, bigger twists. I mean, he is putting them all over the map. And still, not a word. And as they begin to take a landing, you know, all of a sudden, he gets on the intercom and starts talking to them in the back. And, and, and the pilot says, well, I'll tell you what, guys. Man, I did everything I could to get you to yell anything out, to say a word, whatever. But man, I'm just super impressed because you guys were... You guys were completely silent. And Stumpy said, well, yeah, I was going to say something when Martha fell out on one of those maneuvers, but $25 is $25. It's terrible. I'm sorry. I had to. Sometimes, uh, every now and then, somebody's going to email me and go, you know, that was three minutes of my life I'll never get back. But look, 
It sounds to me like Stumpy just didn't have his priorities in order, right? I mean, I, I will say this. I, I have a point. There is a, a truth to the story that God kind of hit me with. And here it is. You ready? <laughs> Sometimes we can find ourselves, right, so obsessively fixed on one thing so much that we fail to focus on the right thing. Sometimes we can find ourselves so obsessively fixed on one thing so much that we fail to focus on the right thing. So we started our year and we started this new series the last few weeks just really diving in, talking about seeking God's kingdom first, pursuing him first, chasing him, um, his righteousness, holiness, the things of heaven, putting First things first, aligning our lives, aligning our minds um, and our hearts appropriately um, under the fullness of the authority of God, you know, committing our lives and our ways first and foremost to God and to the things of God, Um, seeking and pursuing Jesus with a passion. So we've been studying where Jesus instructed his disciples not to worry, don't be stressed, too blessed to be stressed, what? Don't worry about the things that you need to live, but rather just trust God, pursue God above all, um, seek God first. He will provide. He'll take care of your needs. I mean, look at the verse with me. It's our theme verse, Matthew 6, 33. I'm coming from a different translation, Um, but it says, "Make, make his kingdom and righteousness your chief aim, and then these things shall be given you in addition. So the big idea of seeking God and pursuing him and his kingdom and his holiness first, when we do this, on the backside of that, there's this biblical promise. We can rest assured, right? We can be confident that when we are seeking God first and foremost, we have nothing to worry about. We have no reason to worry. He's going to take care of everything that we need in every way. He will provide. He will lead us through the doors that take us into destiny that he has planned. He will take care of every detail of our lives when we are willing to trust him with every detail. Now, we see the same promise in the Gospel of Luke where I want to spend a little bit of time today. Chapter 12, if you want to go there, we'll have it on the screen, but I love it if you want to flip, flip in your Bible. In fact, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a physical Bible, we would love to give you one at the Information Center, so stop by. We look at Luke 12, 31. It says some of the same language, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given you as well. So when we seek his kingdom, we see things are going to be added. All right? Things are going to be added. So here's, here's a principle I really want you to see today. When he is our first pursuit, we can know he will fully provide. When God is our first pursuit, we can be assured he will fully provide. So what was Jesus saying in context here in the book of Luke? So as we open the passage of chapter 12, we begin by seeing this man asking Jesus to step in and mediate um, in this inheritance issue between brothers. Now, culturally speaking, not the point, but there is something to be said in that the older brother would always get more than the younger. And so the younger is basically saying, hey, Jesus, step in, mediate, talk him into giving me more inheritance, right? Jesus leverages the moment right here and, and, and he begins to teach about you need to guard against greed. In fact, this whole little first section, he, he's teaching about some things that we need to guard against. He had already spent time telling the disciples to be on guard in other ways, um, you know, be on guard against the hypocritical uh, yeast of the Pharisees, he says. In verse five, I'll show it to you. He says, don't be afraid of what people can do to you, but be more concerned about the one who can send you to hell. Now, that's kind of a scary verse, but it's something that we need to see. 
And this is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's saying, hey, don't be afraid. Of, you know, don't, don't have FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. No, no. Be worried more about the one who could send you to hell, right? Um, he, he talks about being bold in our belief in him. He, he says, be careful not to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. He says, this is an unforgivable sin. Talk about the Son of Man all day long. Don't reject, deny, or speak ill of the Holy Spirit. It's unforgivable. It's unpardonable. So these are the things that Jesus is kind of teaching at the beginning of chapter 12. And it's here that we begin to see this exchange where Jesus begins to talk about greed. He reminds his disciples that true life, authentic, abundant life, is not found in the abundance of possessions. He warns that things will not go well, verse 21, for the one who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God, but is not sowing richly into the kingdom of God, into the things of God. It's here where Jesus begins to say, so don't worry, don't worry. Why? Because when he becomes our first pursuit, we can know he will fully provide, right? Verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, based on all these things that I've said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about your body, what you're gonna wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. This is exactly what Pastor Blaine was talking about two weeks ago. Jesus goes on to say, using this illustration of something that might seem so incredibly insignificant to us. He says, consider the ravens, consider these birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? He says, who can, I mean, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? In fact, I, I believe that there's science that would back this up, psychiatry or psychology that would say, actually worrying will take away time from your life. So he's saying, hey, who can add a, a minute to your life by worrying? He says, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? He then uses another illustration to help us see, again, the futility uh, of fear and worry. He says, consider the wildflowers, how they grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? He says, and don't set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows what you need, basically. Listen, Jesus right here just, he, I mean, look what he just did, man. He just connected worry to paganism. That's what he did. You see, man, if, if your life is lived in worry, that's exactly what pagans do who don't know God, who don't have a relationship with God, who don't walk with God. So we can trust God. We can rely on God. This is why the very next verse, 20, or 31 says, but seek his kingdom and then these things will be given these things will be given to you as well. So we have no need to worry. So let me just ask you a brief question, just food for thought, rhetorical, right? Do you find yourself spending more times in worry or in worship? Because that'll tell you which kingdom you're seeking, which kingdom you're building. Do I, am I spending more time in worry or worship? Let me say, we gotta seek his kingdom first. See, when, when we get fixated on worry, we're saying that we're more concerned with the kingdom that I'm building than that of the kingdom of God. We gotta seek his kingdom first. 
when we aren't seeking God first, it's no wonder that we can't see his provision. Listen, it's difficult to live in gratitude when we're not seeking God. It's difficult. When he's our first pursuit though, you can rest assured he will fully provide. Our God will take care of us. God will take care of your needs. Can I, listen to me, just, just go with me here. Listen, God loves you more than you love yourself. God loves your kids. Listen to me. God loves your kids more than you ever could. He will take care of you when you put first things first, when your priority is in the right order, when you're seeking him first, when you're seeking his kingdom and walking like him. Um, Ephesians 5.1, be imitators, beloved children of God, that you're imitating what you see in the character and the heart of God. Seek him first. He will take care of you. You have no need to worry. You have no need to fear. Can I just say this? Jesus never said not to think about these concerns. So don't mishear me. He didn't say don't think about these concerns or needs. He just said don't prioritize them. Don't make them be an idol. Don't struggle over them. Seek first. God will take care of the things that you need. Why? Because listen, sometimes, to go back, we can find ourselves obsessively fixed on one thing so much that we fail to focus on the right thing. We're called to seek his kingdom first, 633. Now, anybody, 2013, you remember that year? Or was it, is it kind of a, a haze in, in the last, you know, 961 days of the year 2020, whatever it is, right? <laughs> Somebody got that. I like that, like two of you really got that joke. I love that. It's my favorite kind of comedy, by the way. Everybody's like, oh, this is awkward. Like one person is like peeing their pants. I love that stuff. It's the best. I like, I get life from it. Okay. I mean, not you peeing your pants, but just you laughing. Okay. <laughs> 2013, Netflix, right? Anybody? Netflix, anybody know Netflix? Bueller, Bueller, two people, good. Netflix released this fairly carnal show that's loosely, I don't know if you know this, but supposedly loosely inspired by Bill Clinton and his administration called House of Cards. Anybody know the show that I'm talking about? House of Cards. Now, I will say this. It's, 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 it's a lot like I Love Lucy. I don't know if you know this, but I'm kind of a TV nerd because I studied that in college a little bit. I Love Lucy changed the way that we watch TV. So did House of Cards. I mean, this is the first show to ever release all 13 episodes at one time. The leadership of Netflix were absolutely, they were blown away by what happened when they did this. Now listen, although House of Cards was 13 hours long, Netflix reported that thousands of viewers consumed the entire series in one gulp over the weekend of its release. A later Netflix poll of TV streamers found that 61% defined their viewing style as watching two to six episodes at a time. This was mind-boggling. This actually caused Netflix to hire this gentleman, this anthropologist named Grant McCracken. They paid, that's really his name, by the way. I didn't make that up, but they, uh, yeah, it's funny, but they paid Mr. McCracken this exuberant amount of money to investigate and even begin to promote this new habit that they were seeing take form, right? And so here's what he comes back with. This is what he reports. He says, TV viewers are no longer zoning out as a way to forget about their day. They're actually now tuning in. <laughs> on their own schedule, on their own time, and they're tuning into a different world. So, so they're getting immersed basically in multiple episodes or even multiple seasons of a show over a few weeks. This is a new sort of escapism that's basically being, it was, it was so welcomed in 2013 and it has literally changed the fabric of the way we watch and consume media now. 
In fact, this new habit of viewing morphed into this new word or phrase called binge watching. Anybody know? This phrase became widely used in 2013 after Netflix began now to release a lot of shows in full season content at once. The phrase became so popular that it even prompted the Oxford Dictionary to add it into the language, into the book. And also it was on a short list for the word or the phrase of the year right behind the word selfie. Binge watch. How about that? Now I want you to think about this for just a minute. Think about it. What would happen if we would stop trying to escape and just finally turn to Jesus and we started to tune in to Jesus to seek a different world. Are you with me? What could happen if we would become so fixated on God and his world, his kingdom, that we would become so immersed in him, so fixated upon him, so focused? What, what do you think could happen in our families? in our homes, in our marriages, in our school, in our city, in our world, in our government, Lord help us, Jesus. But what do you think would happen? Think about this. I mean, this would literally, it would revolutionize everything, not just a change of perspective, but, but it would definitely bring a change of perspective. Here, here's a few things, just three things I really want you to go home with today. Number one, when we seek the kingdom of God first, it will change our perspective. Now listen to me. When we pursue Jesus first and foremost, when we pursue and chase after his heart and his attributes and his ways, it will change the way that we think rather than escaping to tune out. Come on, somebody. This is why, this is why line items and family budgets went through the roof during COVID and alcohol um, places went skyrocket crazy making money because we wanted to escape. But listen to me, rather than escaping and tuning out, what would happen if we just started running and tuning into him? Really? We would become so obsessed by him and his word and his ways. It changes the way you think when you seek the kingdom of God first. It changes your perspective. Rather than obsessively fixing our focus on the wrong things, we would fix our eyes first on the right thing, which is God and his kingdom. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 tells us about this in the book of Romans. Go there with us. In the NIV, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the NASB translations, there's three actually that are floating around right now, just different year published. But one of them, I love it because it starts like this. Looking only at Jesus. I love that language. Looking only at Jesus. The Amplified says it this way. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. See, we ignore, we begin to ignore the shiny distractions of the lying, empty, non-satisfying kingdom of the culture of this world. And we begin to fix our eyes completely looking on Jesus. We pursue him first. We seek him. He becomes the object of our affection and our obsession. We chase after him. See, I've been, let me just say, I've been thinking about this one all week. I've been thinking about this especially in light of 21 days. By the way, we've got one more week. I should have said that in the first service. Man, jump in. It's not too late. Let's start chasing Jesus together. My prayer is that it, it changes our perspective and a few other things we're going to talk about. But I've been thinking about this. If we aren't actively being changed by God right now, 
it's likely because we aren't actively chasing after God right now. Listen, it is impossible, please hear me, it is impossible to give our affections to idols and still give our attention to God. It, it's not congruent and it's impossible. We cannot be in love with our idol and intimate with Jesus at the same time. It can't happen. When we seek God's kingdom first, it will change our perspective. It will change our focus when we seek his kingdom first. Why? Let me just say this, listen. Maybe you've been asking, okay, well, what are all these things that are gonna be added? Okay, well, listen, why would we seek his kingdom first? I want you to think about the economy of God's kingdom and what it is comprised of. Things like, right, grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, kindness, hope, unconditional love, purpose, acceptance, adoption, inheritance, beauty, joy, peace, favor, anointing. Let me give you a definition of anointing. God's gracious and grace-empowered approval. This is the economy of the kingdom of heaven. So when we see seek his kingdom first and these things will be added, yes, he's going to take care of your daily needs. But this list right here, you're not going to get anywhere else or in any other kingdom. You're just not. So when we seek his kingdom first, these are the things that are added unto us. Things like that. Why would we choose to chase anything else. When we seek the kingdom of God first, it changes our perspective. We see differently, we see clearly, um, we look away from all the other things, we fix our eyes on him. Number two, ready? When we seek God's kingdom first, it changes our identity. It changes our identity. Listen, when we truly seek his kingdom and his righteousness, watch this, our insecurities will bow to assurance. I want you to really pay attention close during this little section right here. When we seek his kingdom first, it changes our identity. Our insecurities bow to assurance. Or how about this? Our need for attention is abdicated to give attention to him. That's a tougher one. You'll see why in a second. Or how about this one? Our hurt and wounds turn into scars that remind us of his, which we see in Isaiah 53, because his scars were all about our healing. Look at it with me. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment was brought us, peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So when, when we seek his kingdom first and it changes our perspective and identity, our hurt and our wounds turn into scars that remind us of his. We don't have to live in those hurts and wounds any longer. We've been healed because of his. It changes our identity. When we seek his kingdom first, Paul tells us in his second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter five, verse 16, he says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're not looking at people through the lens of the world anymore. Not anymore. See, we can't look that way because we are looking through the lens of a different world. We're looking through the lenses of the kingdom of God. And then we see verse 17. For if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. When we seek God's kingdom first, it changes our identity. We become a brand new creation. Therefore, we should see with brand new eyes. That includes how we see ourselves. We aren't who we were. 
In fact, because we have new perspective now, our heart and our mind becomes that of John chapter three, verse 30, where it says, he must become greater, I must become less. I gotta tell you a little story about Max Licato. Licato, Licato, tomato, tomato, I don't know. I struggle, it's kind of like, is it Carrie Job or Joby? I don't know. I don't profess to know. But Max Licato in his book, Licato, said, the book, The Unshakable Hope, this is what he said. Lean in here. He says, children have the tendency to say, look at me. Look at me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have kids? They're like, look at me. Dad, look at me. Look at me. You know what I'm talking about? Josh Post does. Anybody else? No, no kids. Okay. They do. They have this tendency, look at me. I mean, on the tricycle, look at me go. You know, on the trample, look at, trampoline, look at me bounce. Look at me bounce. They're like, no, 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 no. Don't bounce too high. Urgent care is not my jam. Too expensive. Takes too long. It's like sin. Takes you further you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, costs more than you want to pay. Urgent care. You know what I'm saying? Not into that life. Not into that life. Somebody, somebody here in the house works for urgent care. They're like, I'm not tithing now. I hate you. Okay, I'm sorry. It's not about me. It's about you. Okay, all right. No, seriously, look at me go, right? Look at me go on the trampoline, on the swing set. Look at me swing. No, 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 don't jump, don't jump. God created your bone whole. We don't need to have a Holy Spirit encounter right now to heal a broken bone, you know? Just stay on the swing, right? Look at me, look at me. I mean, such favor, I mean, or or such uh, behavior, I should say. This is pretty acceptable for kids. Look at me, right? In fact, we kind of like it, don't we? We kind of like that, look at me. It's, It's acceptable for kids. But many adults spend their grown-up years doing the same thing. Look at me drive this fancy car. Look at me make money. Look at me wear provocative clothes, use big words, flex my muscle, live out my youth through my child. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me, right? Look at me. We look. I'm, no lie. True story. Everybody say true story. We're on the beach last summer. On the beach, there's hundreds of people on the beach not wearing masks. That was a joke. Hundreds of people. Hundreds of people. Right. All on the beach. And all of a sudden, we see this activity going on. It's like two or three forty-year-old ladies. They've got a selfie stand on the beach. It's about yay high. They put their phone on there, then they all get around there and they start posing and dancing. And and I'm like, what is going on here? Look at me. Look at me. Licato says, isn't it time for us to grow up? What kingdom are we seeking? What kingdom are we building? We were made to live a life that does not declare, look at me. We were created, called, chosen, breathed on, and Jesus died to pay for us to be able to say, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. You see it? Man, when people, this is a question. When people look at our lives, do they see the kingdom of God? Because here's the truth. Our lives reflect the kingdom that we're chasing. Always. When we seek God's kingdom first, it changes our identity. Lasting and quick. When we seek God's kingdom first, it changes our priorities. We won't be the same. We cannot. Listen, everything else will bear in comparison to the goodness and to the greatness and to the glory of God. Paul said it in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me to live, but to die is gain. He got it. He's like, look, man, whether I'm here 
are there. If I'm with Jesus, it's all good. Philippians 3, chapter uh, 3, verse 7 through 9, he says, but whatever gains to me, I now consider a loss. Now, Paul, just he, just a few tri- verses up, he's like, hey, look, if there's anyone that should be proud of himself, it's me. I'm the man. It's basically what he's saying. In my old culture, in my old society, in my old popularity, I was the man. But then he says, you know what? But whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. Maybe your translation says rubbish. This is a PG-13 moment of the conversation because that's actually a Christian cuss word in your Bible. That would be the equivalent of me dropping a four-letter word up here saying, this is what it is in comparison to that. That's exactly what Paul's saying. He says, man, I consider this garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Once you taste and see that God is good, you can't go back. Jaden, my 19-year-old, when he was a toddler, I've told this story before, and I'm old, so I repeat myself, so bear with me. But when he was a toddler before, long ago, one day I didn't catch him in time, and he toddled over and got a hold of my Diet Coke. Guess what? He did not want his sippy cup of milk anymore. He wanted Dad's Diet Coke. He tasted something better. He tastes something better. When we truly begin to chase God and the things of God's kingdom first, it drives us to holiness and it will change our, our perspective, yes, our identity, yes, but it also changes our priorities. Stephen Covey, who I don't highly recommend for my own reasons, but he, actually, he has a great quote in his New York Times bestseller, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He said this, he said, you got to decide what your highest priority are, priorities are and have the courage pleasantly, smilingly, and non-apologetically to say no to other things. And the way that you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. I may not agree with everything Covey says, but that's a good statement right there. We need to have a bigger yes burning inside of us. That is the glory of God. It's the glory of Jesus. It's the kingdom of God. Listen, today, the way I see this, we have three options or three things that uh, the way that we can respond to God. Number one is we have options. We can choose to keep chasing the kingdom of this world or we can seek first the kingdom of God. Remember, if you're not actively being changed by God, it's probably because you're not actively chasing after God. And sometimes we can find ourselves obsessively fixed on one thing so much that we fail to focus on the right thing. We are invited today with as much grace as the Lord Jesus gives to begin to just turn and say, I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. I'm going to seek the heart of God. Because of that, second way you can respond today, you have an opportunity. I believe in his kindness. He is calling us to repentance, to turn from the things that we have been seeking, the idols that we have given our affections to, and to turn to him. Romans chapter 2, verse 4 in the NIV says this. Do you not have regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance and patience and withholding his wrath? Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, and seek his purpose for your life. I want you to see right there in that one verse, that's the whole message for today. I could have saved you a whole lot of time and just given you the cliff note of that one verse. But that's it. His kindness leads us to to repentance. He wants to change our inner self, our identity from the inside out. He 
wants to change our old way of thinking, our perspective. And lastly, we can respond. We have an objective. Seeking God's kingdom invites us to build God's kingdom. That's the purpose that Romans 2 talks about. We were created, chosen, and called for this. Listen, you were designed for destiny. I will say this with my dying breath. We were made on purpose for purpose. So as we close, would you stand to your feet? And I want you to hear me say this. With everything I've said, we don't seek the kingdom of God so to divorce ourselves completely from this world. Listen, we have great purpose of being in but not of this world. We are not made or designed to crawl into some Christian bubble um, where we live in a Christian country club and vacation on Christian cruise ships. No, no, listen, not even nearly. We are called to be Jesus to the broken, to declare beauty from ashes, to give dignity to the undignified, to love the leper, to bring healing to the hurt, to set free those that are in shame and those that are in captivity and bondage. That's what we're called to do. And when we begin to seek the kingdom of God, trust me, it's not only going to change your perspective and your identity. It's not only going to change, you know, the fact that God is giving you um, this purpose. It's going to give you this new agenda. God is going to do some incredible things in your life and through your life. You don't need to worry about anything. And then he's going to begin to pour his favor out on you. Let's seek the kingdom of God. Amen. He keeps getting better. He keeps getting better. He keeps getting better. Let's declare the Come on, shout to God. Let's Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith, whether that be in giving your life to Christ, or maybe you need prayer and to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there's a link that you can give directly to the Ministries of Declaration online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.